Hello and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan. And a fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And, and this is the story oh, So Farscape. It's a, it's a terrible story So Farscape. I think there's another solar storm approaching. Yes, Pilot has informed us that there will be a small interruption in the comm services, uh, resulting in degraded audio quality. Uh, it is unbelievable how these solar storms seem to find us that, that inflict technical difficulties on the, on the comms. But fortunately, I, I've, I've checked the meteorologicals and my senses tell me, uh, yeah, yeah, it should pass within 10 minutes. Let's hope for that okay. and uh, think... <laughs> so sorry, And this, this is, is the story spooky so story so Farscape. Oh, is it a spooky episode? I think we just had Thanksgiving before we recorded this episode. Oh, yes, it is. It is the season. I mean, it won't be by the time that this no, airs, but, but it, it'll still be, you know, dark nights and there's there's always an opportunity for a scary story. So we have episode 306 today. Eat uh, me. Yeah. <laughs> I was expecting some Alice in Wonderland stuff, but no, 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 none of that. <laughs> yes, nobody was... Uh, well, there was no shrinking and growing going on, but everything no. was very peculiar. Yes. So, in which, uh, according to Jenna, let's get together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh let me do this one because okay. it's a song. Oh, and okay. I happen to know that oh, this right. is from The Parent Trap by Hayley Mills. Let's get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think of all that we could share. Let's get together every day, everywhere and every everywhere. And though we haven't got a lot, we could be sharing all we've got. Together and then jazz hands. Ooh, jazz hands. Jazz hands, yes. Thank you, Jenna. <laughs> the vibes on this Leviathan are totally rancid, but at least Dargo's looking hot. Ooh. Half the crew self-reflects and gives a piece of their mind aboard a ship full of ghouls. <laughs> Meanwhile, Rajil loses his second lunch over Tallinn, but the real question remains, what is the difference between food and family? Thank you, Hersbird. That was that was very comprehensive. Yes. The Derp says, Farscape wackiness changed things forever and proves once again why Farscape is such a... Delicacy. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Derp. Far for beans, please. Um, it's another song. Do you recognise it? No, don't recognise it. Really? But, okay... Uh, uh, it's it's from the Rocky Horror Picture Show where the pod breaks down in the velvet darkness of the blackest night burning bright there's a guiding star there's a light over at the Frankenstein place I, I have watched it it's like I only know like two so, no, the ones oh I'm heartbroken Kay okay sorry you even dressed up as who Who did you dress up as? Uh, um, Eddie and at, at one of your Halloween legendary parties. Halloween yes. parties uh, it was funny when we had to go and uh, get the medical crews to come inside because somebody twisted their knee out of its socket when he was doing the uh, time warp. right. Uh, oh, the poor person. Yes. And so this, this ambulance arrives and the and EMTs get out and they open the door and there's Kay. Yeah, with a big bleeding scar on my forehead, which was, of course, makeup. <laughs> but they went like, oh, mate, go oh, sit sorry, down. Oh, come, like, yeah. come here, come here. It was, it was fine. It's like we'd already sent all the Frankenfurters upstairs, so it wouldn't give them <laughs> yes. too much of a shock. But, yes. <laughs> I think I was with the crew who was sent upstairs. Like, Probably, yeah, yes. maybe, maybe that's... <laughs> uh, so, yes, Billy Roberts uh, gave us a lovely little rendition. Wait, of there's the, more. Hold oh, on. Oh, there's, oh, there's, is, there's, it, is it a hunting lodge for rich weirdos? What's with Riff Raff and the Grateful Dead? Do Leviathans have phones, asshole? <laughs> what? Come oh, up to the, the lab and see who's on the slab. Two slabs, no waiting. <laughs> 
because it's dinner time and there's no meatloaf in the freezer. <laughs> oh, thanks, Dave. Hammerspace Dalton. Sorry, not uh, Billy Roberts. Because uh, Billy Roberts says... It's a two-for-one sale as John, Dargo and Chiana explore an old Leviathan. How will our heroes survive the cannibal holocaust plus who's who? I think I don't think we've had Dave Hammerspace Dalton before. Well no, done. No, I don't think so, no. Me and my mates take a trip to an old husk of a ship. Poke me with pins. I see some twins. It's not orphan black. Get a grip. Uh, thank you, Rick, from the Delta Quadrant. I wonder if that's supposed to be a song as well. It, it looks like, like a limerick. It. Yeah. And a cherished son is found severely wounded and his family worries for his fate. Meanwhile, we find Hannibal Lecter, ooh, who is keen on doubling his own family. Asserting himself as head of the household, he makes life extremely difficult for everyone around him, and despite its deteriorated state, Lecter refuses to give up the family minivan. <laughs> <laughs> Something must be done! Starburst beats Skittles, taste the rainbow, mthrfkrr. Thanks, Axicor, for that curious alien word there. So, yes. It is a lot of uh, yeah, there's stuff a, to deal with. There's a lot. I'm also amazed that everybody seemed to have gone for song lyrics in the description of this I know. episode. It's a, it's a wonderful sort of confluence of events because this was a, a pretty controversial episode of Farscape. Oh? Well, I mean, it's, it's horror. Oh, yes. It's real, real horror. And so the crew absolutely loved it. Well, like, yeah, I can imagine that this was a blast to do for them. Yeah. That's... Gigi actually went to went to some new places. Tammy McIntosh got to explore some new parts of, Ooh, of Jewel. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to all that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have things to say about Jewel. And the elephant in the cupboard, it has this, like, it has the same sort of setup as, like, My Three Crichtons. Yeah. My fate, I accept. Except no big reset button at the end. No, kind of, because they kind of like, you know, they kind of work their way around that. How do you mean? Well, I mean, with killing the characters, you mean, or... Yeah, I mean, the last time that we had duplicates of, yeah. of a character, you know, with the two alternate Crichtons, they were sort of dealt with by the end, but mm. now we're left with two Johns. Yep. Well, I mean, it's not over yet. There's still problems to be solved, so... Yeah, no, that's true. The series isn't over, but no. we did go into hiatus at this point. Ah, okay, I did, that I did not know. Yeah, ah, so right. uh, there was a lot of speculation about this, and it's a really weird cliffhanger to, to leave your fans on. Yeah. Okay, so let's start with Jewel, because uh, she oh, uh, yeah. she begins in the uh, in, in the opening scene there on a pod, which is apparently having technical troubles. This pod is falling apart. It's all I can do to keep her afloat. Apparently, she did something that caused the problem. In just a microt, she was able to, was, like, briefly touch the controls. She probably screamed something and melted something. But, uh, but, yes, throughout the episode, and I think we should uh, just, like, uh, invoke the treat of Mintaka 3 here, Jewel does call. pretty much nothing. I can do anything. She screams and shouts a little bit. She whines that she is civilized and that she doesn't know anything about fighting, which is interesting because when she first appears, she's, like, kind of portrayed as this like this warrior princess type person who seems to be very competent at least that's that's the impression yeah, I got yeah. when she first gets taken out of the pot and we're l learning more and more bluster that she is just just a little girl out on her uh yeah. you know, graduation trip which went horribly wrong and her attitude is crumbling i mean, I mean at least i'm going to frame it like that because it's the only way I that think that's really valid i think that's the only way that it makes sense for her character development that we're we're now seeing the real jewel yeah, I agree. Who's, who seems to still be frozen in the, uh, rather than having a flight or fright uh, response, she's more like the 
flight or scream response. You know, well, I mean, normally it's it's fight or flight, but is the option that she chooses. Yeah, right, yes. I mean, a bit like, like a red panda in that regard. <laughs> Make yourself fight, big. flight, or flail. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Except she goes with frighting here when the she doesn't do a lot of screaming this episode, but she is like... Finally. She is completely losing it. She basically gets left by the transport pod to guard it, or she doesn't really want to come along. Yes, Uh, exactly. Chana gives her a fantastic quick reason in violence. (laughs) Slaps her around a bit. See, this is violence. You'll get the hang of it. We don't have weapons on our planet. We don't have violence. We don't have warfare. (laughs) What the frell? You'll get the hang of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, she hits Jewel a couple of times while Jewel is yelling that uh, my planet doesn't have weapons or violence, which... Woof. Yeah, but she seemed to be very uh, confident in grabbing the biggest gun she could find was as soon as she got out of the pod and wielding that around. So that seems a Well, that bit... was Chiana's advice, right? If you want to stay here, there's a pulse rifle on the pod, and, like, she clings to that for uh, for protection. Right, no, no, I'm talking about when she first appeared. Uh, oh, like so. When she first like came so. out of the pod. Uh, yeah, that was rage, I guess. I mean, yeah. she just found out from Rigel, who probably framed it a little bit, a little bit less generously yes, to the Titan. that's very true. That he was responsible but for yes. the death of her cousins. Yeah, Chana tells her, like, here's a pulse rifle, just stay here and shoot, basically shoot at everything that moves. She tries to venture out once. Okay, okay. I can do this. I can. I can do anything. That's what my father told me. That's what my mother told me. And I've never doubted them before. Maybe once or twice. But I shouldn't doubt them. I should believe in them. And I should believe in myself. Immediately gets runs back the moment she sees the uh, creatures on board the... uh... I don't think she sees anything. No, she just hears something, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Throughout this, she doesn't encounter any danger. Right. Just fear. And at the end of it, she's like almost... Well, she tries to shoot herself with the pulse rifle and she fails at that as well. Yeah. Uh, like and, she's uh, yeah. she's really having to confront that none of the qualities she has are uh, are of benefit to her in, right. this, in this hell dimension that she finds herself in. So I'm, in, I'm really curious to see how her character is going to develop and how she's going to be how she's going to be part of the crew and part of the show. Right. I'm really, yeah, I'm really wondering about that because, like, for now, it's been lacking a little bit. It's like her character development's been a little bit weak. She's just like around, and I found that a little bit disappointing so far. I was hoping more for that, but uh, we'll see how it goes. I get what you mean about Jewel because I, I remember actually no. I, I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot more than initially. I had not remembered how much character development she goes through. Right. Because she's inessential to these stories, right? Mm. The first time I was watching it, when it was introduced, okay, here's a new character, clearly replacing Zan, which did not sit very well with, no, with me. I can well imagine. Right. Uh, and she's framed as being really rather annoying. She doesn't contribute to these stories. So I kind of sort of faded her out of my memory this early on. Yeah. Because she's not made central no, uh, she doesn't. Uh, she doesn't have a, 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 a her episode yet. There's nothing like uh, right. Yeah. But now that I'm coming back to it and watching it with you again, like 
every episode there's a new aspect of her that we're that we're understanding that oh she's got this intellectual that's a facade that she used to keep people at distance but wow she's also terrified so yeah. she's using that to, to sort of protect herself and give herself something to hold on to because she talks about in this episode that there is nothing she can't do that's what her mother said that's what her father right. said and she and never she doubted never, them well maybe once or twice <laughs> yeah but she shouldn't she's really hmm. trying to cling to yeah. that value system okay yeah that makes sense so, uh, yeah, I'm eager to see how that's going to develop. Yeah. Good pick. Who's your... Uh, what's the next thread that you'd want to follow? Oh, I think... I mean, we can pretty much take the episode from here, I suppose. I just wanted to get this out of the way because, ah, okay. like, it, it kind of comes back to it in few, a few times, but it's a very trivial... Well, not trivial, but it's a very uh, a short uh, bit of action, basically, Ooh, to, actually, uh, to cover this. I do want to take this okay. character at a time because they very quickly split up and they have different arcs. Mm-hmm. And so we have John behind the controls who's trying to manage this deteriorating pod. It's falling apart. They're not going to survive very long. Like It's, it's absolutely disastrous. And by pure coincidence, behind the next asteroid, there's Moya. Look, there's Moya. Let's Pilot, just... Aaron, come in. Pilot. Except that's not Moya. Whoops. It's not, yeah. It's not Moya, she's got a control collar. And this sets in motion John's arc, because Dargo does not want to go there at all. Because control collar... means peacekeeper. Yeah. Uh, So when I I saw it at first, like, in the original episode, I I don't think I got a really good look at Moya's control collar. You only saw it once. And it was, and like here, I thought first, like, oh, wow, they've like, someone's built a city on top of Moya or something. That's kind of what it looked like. Like, there's... uh, yeah, no, wonder, you're right. I wonder it, if that would be like normally uh, peacekeeper quarters or something that they uh, that the troops sit and live in or something rather than on Moya itself. It's interesting to think about because Dargo assumes that it's a prison ship before anything is revealed right, about yeah. it. So, so that, that's what, kind of what I was wondering. I have that actually as one of my notes. It's like, so are all Leviathans prison right. ships? Yeah. I mean, it seems like a waste to just use them as prison ships. They, apparently, since they have like thousands of them, it's like... I can't imagine yeah. you need that many prison ships. I mean, maybe they're uniquely suited for it, and just peacekeepers generally don't need those craft for anything else. Yeah, but they're just still... nice, docile. Right, I guess it must be easy to maintain, breed, cheat. I have no idea. Wait, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, it's an unarmed craft. Yeah. Well, okay. And you we... need a pilot for it, so you have to like have a steady supply of pilots who I can't imagine like are all that happy like. Just like sitting there doing prison ship transfer things when they want yeah. to explore the stars. Stars. That's well, I guess most of them are a little happier than this pilot that, uh, oh, that well, we, yes. we want to meet. But, oh, okay, poor, so ba- poor John's, bastard. John's arc is he's still got that sort of independence and stubbornness mm-hmm. uh, that he's exhibited before that has not been working well for him this season at all. Right? <laughs> no, no, no. It has In, very much not. In different destinations, he changed history for the worse because yep. of his determination and like failure to communicate and trust other people. And now he is overriding Dargo and making the call to go ob- aboard the ship. And once they're aboard, ostensibly on a, on a snatch-and-grab mission to get some 3K wire and something coils. Some, yeah, some of something of the other coils, yeah. He actually wants to investigate further. There's a big argument between him, between him and Dargo yeah, about that. because Dargo wants... Like, it, it took effort to convince Dargo to get on board, Mostly the effort is like, oh, the shuttle is falling apart. We're going to die if we uh, if we stay out here. And Dargo goes, no, yep, I'm done with that. Yeah. Rather than go, I'd rather die straight away than go out onto the Leviathan. That's Leviathan with the control collar. That means peacekeepers. Oh, two levels falling. <laughs> Telemetry, comms, 
Neurostatus, we got nothing. All right, we're heading for that ship. That's it. John, that is not an option. We don't have any options unless you want to die out here in the middle of nowhere. It's better than being captured, tortured, and killed by the peacekeepers. You hear that noise? That's our air! We have no comms. We have no idea who or what is on that ship. You are leading us to our death. But even when they have a, a, a chance to snatch the, uh, the replacement parts that they need and Amscray... John still wants to investigate. And he's kind of right, honestly. Like, he knows that we need this pilot's uh, cooperation to open the hangar doors yep. and leave. This is meant to be a hit-and-run mission so we get the parts that we need. Now, what if we're dying? What if we've been exposed to some radiation or some virus is going to mutate us in the night of the living dead? And the sooner we get out of here, the better. If you want to go all the way to Palestine, Hey, you know what? We don't know what we're dealing this with here. This is a peacekeeper prison ship. That's all you need to know. And, like, the ship is not in a good state. It's, like, it's covered with growth stuff. It's leaking pus much to uh, John's uh, disgust. Yes. Yes. Oh, it's, it looks amazing. I mean, it's obviously these are the uh, the Moya sets. I was going to say, they must have spent a lot of time, like, hanging them with gunk and spraying them down. And yeah. that must have been, like, quite a bit of effort. The technical term, according to set designer Tim Ferrier, is licorice. Okay. <laughs> you hang gunk off things. It's, it's got and, a lot of licorice, licorice on it. Oh, licorice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and apparently it took four days to bring the Moya sets back into the pristine condition. It was much easier to dirty things up. Well, yeah, it usually is. Than to yeah. tidy them up again. But wow. Um, okay, so this is John's arc. He has this argument with Darko, overrides him. I'm going to go find the pilot. You get the junk and proceeds deeper into the belly of this Leviathan, he finds the Leviathan's pilot. Yes. Who, who is besought upon by Sebastians, I suppose. Yeah, they are Sebastians. Turns we out. Learned, we, yeah. we don't know that at the time. Like, they look creepy and mutantoid and, yes. uh, and, and, and horrible, but it turns out that these are the degenerated duplicates, I guess. Yes, twins. Xeroxes, yes. yeah. Ooh. Of the original Peacekeeper prison crew. Yes, and apparently, although this is a prison ship, it was a prison ship for only one person. Yeah, very Hannibal Lecter. And they've been eating, among other things, Pilot, cutting off his arms. Waiting for them to regrow again, and then, yeah. That, oh, the way he explains it. Yeah. I remembered this for years. Please kill me. Look, your arms are going to regenerate. Grogan Carter. Grogan? Who the hell is Grogan? Grogan, Grogan cut, Grogan cut. They cut your arms. And when they grow back, they hack them off again. Why the hell would they do that? Because, because, because they're eating me. Because, because, because they're eating me. Yeah. Oh. What a performance. This was the first time that we've heard Sean Masterson. Uh, and he's the head puppeteer for Pilot. Mm. So for the cast, that was always the voice of Pilot because they wouldn't hear Lani's voiceover. Oh, of course not, yes. Right? So he was the voice of Pilot. And now finally the voice of Pilot got to play a pilot. Oh, wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, because there was a different... It was a female voice who did the uh, other pilot we saw in the, uh, yep, that's uh, the right. way we were. You peacekeepers, subjugate us, torture us, and now you expect us to cooperate with you? You have no understanding of the covenant between Leviathan and Pilot. Weren't, sorry, yes. <laughs> and both of them are obviously the same armature and I think largely the same skin. I think, yeah. Yeah, there's probably a little bit of reskinning and repainting done uh, to uh, 
but with a little bit of like different padding here and there like the on the female the cheeks were more gaunt and here like his mouth was open and he had all these staccato movements yeah and like these little tiny little arms growing out of those like oh. torn open sockets that was like oh that was some Deadpool shit man yeah <laughs> <laughs> it did make his helmet look bigger yeah but so everyone that Crichton meets dies Oh, yes, I suppose so, yeah. Right? He has an argument with Dargo, and then he watches Dargo being killed by the villain Carvok. Yes. And he has to, as far as he knows, that, that's what happens. He watches the same thing happen to Chiana, and then he's alone on the ship. Mm. And he thinks everybody's dead. Yes. Oh, that's like, oh. Okay, so, villain next, Darvok? Wait, oh, look, oh. I'm still, I'm oh, still so with you're it. still on John, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm still on John, because, like, he tries it with the pilot, mm-hmm. uh, uh, tries to work together, and, like, throughout this, I don't know if you noticed it, I heard him getting more and more southern. He's going to be sucking my brains through a sippy straw and it ain't making me feel comfortable. Now, see, I head for the transport pod and he runs me down like a sick lizard. Oh, no, I didn't notice that. As but, he was, as he was uh, realizing that he was all alone and his friends were dying around him. And I'm amazed that he didn't collapse. Oh, well, I think he's, like, progressed beyond that point. Right? Yeah. It's he like just he's, dives into mania. Yeah. I think he doesn't have the ability to stop and, like, sit down and just take it anymore. Yeah. And then his answer is revenge. Like, his plan is to get the, the, the first the pilot, but then he has to do it himself, to, to starburst, even though it has a control collar, which will kill the Leviathan. Yeah. Which I think is a mercy mercy killing at yeah. this point yes because like the leviathan creature. is also being eaten by the uh, uh the ghouls that are still on let's Does, call them ghouls or something or, okay well uh, i mean they're called zarai but yes zarai, yeah well that's what uh, what's his face calls them carvok carvok he controls the whole ship chiana he's got the maintenance bay he's got the doors he's got the windows he's got the smoke on the water i don't know what you're talking about the guy whatever whoever the one that killed dargo dr spike carvok carvok spike carvok that's his name the zarai i call him yeah private joke i once had a tame vanger and called zarai <laughs> Um, until finally he has a confrontation with with Carvok, where he leaves him to uh, to be eaten by his uh, his family. As he yes, my family, my farmland, my my perfect perfect dish. All I need is more what food. Family is there a difference? Runs off. Oh oh oh! And then runs off again. Yes. <laughs> and then two Crichtons show up and they barely talk about it. Yeah, it's just they look at each other. It's like I, I like that scene at the in the transport port at the end where where they're sitting there making side eye at each other, like clearly do we deeply do? untrust were untrusting of the other. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's like it's interesting. Like okay, so Carvox ability is apparently to copy people like they he encloses yes. them in a big like marshmallow fluff type bubble it looks so cool it's which like a, then shrinks down yeah some kind of like rubbery bubble that he plops around yeah. them and then it goes through mitosis you see that yes right well the, we, we see that the second time on when he uses it on chana the first time we see you see it used is on dargo and we have no idea what and it we is. have no what it's like we all, all we know that afterwards dargo is captured and then shortly killed by him putting a big, like, arm spike that he has on this. He's yep. got this, like, Nintendo Power Glove that he's wearing. Uh, 
And yes, I did wait for to say that just as you were taking your drink. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> with, with this big spike in which he just drives into Dargo's brain and then like t- apparently takes a little sample of something delectable from there. Yeah. Suck, po- pokes into his own brain. Yeah, he's got a port in his in yeah. his sort of cybernetic skull. A little bit, a little bit of uh, Scorpius going on there with like you know side ports in in his head. Oh, very good. Uh, and he he just like sucks it up apparently much to his delight. Yeah, because he's I mean he's, rolling his eyes. He yeah. really loves it. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so that's Dargo dead. Dargo's dead. Dargo is dead! It can't be dead, Crichton. Yep. And that's, like, that's actually played very well, because, like, then... What was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting there like, okay, no way. Because, like, <laughs> like yeah, we, but we, just, is... we just lost Zahn, we're not losing Dargo. Were so you, like, really confident? Not 100%. Right? No, no you're, like... Because oh, would they, wouldn't they? Like, no, that's too much change in one god. They wouldn't do that. But maybe they did. It's like, yeah. yeah. They, they, they do a good job of keeping the suspense. And then when the next time we see him using his power on Chana, then it becomes like a, he, he catches her. And then it's like double. It's like, ah, okay. There, there we, we go. go. Yeah. But yeah, just before that happens, like you're, it's been an awful long time since we've acknowledged like Dargo dying. I would have expected him to mm. show up by now but right. no it, but it's done very well it's like they even play it for a bit because yeah. Shana is like uh, doing death rites on him sprinkles him with some sort of powder which causes the blanket they have him wrapped in to catch fire yeah. and that's not enough now they throw him down the uh, big pit in uh, Pilot's Den as well and that way the uh, cannibals will never get him yep did you see her Her sort of uh, – she raises her arms over her head the way that she did for uh, – yeah. uh, with her life disc when, uh, mm-hmm. when she thought Neri had died? Yes. I mean, she even talks about it. She's like, yeah, we have to perform the death rites and everything. And John says, like, oh, well, we don't exactly have a – what's her face around? Uh, an Oricon around. Yes, yes, very good. Really leaves you sitting there going like, they wouldn't, would they? Yeah. <laughs> <And it's, laughs> because the suspense is so relentless. Yeah. It's so unusual for an episode like this to be – I mean, I was going to say not fun. It is tremendous fun. Oh, it's a fantastic episode. Like you could, you can really see like they're 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 chewing the scenery. They're having a they're having a fantastic time with it. Oh, there's a commentary track on the DVDs, and it's by Guy Gross, uh, the composer, whose name I've been mispronouncing. It's not Gross, it's Gross. Okay. He's an Australian composer, and he talks about how he constructed these sort of soundscapes, mm-hmm. that he took a trumpet and a euphonium, and he borrowed the, the video editor's violin, instruments that he doesn't play, Okay. To right. just get weird noises out of them, made a Fair whole enough. library. That works. And then forcibly auto-tuned them into into tunes that he could then like synthesize into these weird. Oh soundscapes. wow, that's an interesting way to do it. Yeah, just like make off-key noises and then force them into tune. Yeah. To make them like oh. Yeah. And to make these atonal chords. It's. He uh, he talked about that he'd just done a, a horror picture. Yeah. Oh uh, well. Yes. Well, that he wasn't tremendously pleased with the end result, so he was very happy to be able to like dip into that uh, uh, into that well again and explore how he'd do it. Yeah, like have a little, little second go at that. Yeah, he played the shakuhachi, which is an instrument that he does play. It's a it's a Japanese bamboo flute. Oh, right, yes. That doesn't really have a mouthpiece, so you've got to cry like it's all embouchure. Is that the one that they use in uh, Ghost of Tsushima? Oh, I wouldn't know. I'm sure that right. Japan has many many flutes. Fair so point. I wouldn't be yeah. able to, uh, and that one is used for 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 Carvok. But yes, I'm actually with you. Let's follow Carvok. Yes, he's fascinating. Okay, so my first thought when I saw him was like, "Oh, is Rutger Hauer in this episode?" <laughs> he has that sort of look, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, he's got the he's got the firm brow, but yeah, he's this 
creepy gnome, this bold man with... With a super British accent. Stay back or I swear I will kill you. I don't think that's very polite. Yes, this is Shane Bryant. Now, when Dave Elsie uh, saw this script, and he's the he's the creature and makeup effects uh, mm-hmm. coordinator, and he he just adored it. He thought it was so gothic. Like this reminds me of like uh, uh, Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell, or the Horror from Hell. I think it was called it was, a, yeah. it was a Hammer House of Horror film. And Shane Bryant turns out played in that film. Oh wow! <laughs> so when he got Shane in the chair to to, to sort of put the makeup on him. To, and he ran to the producer. Did you do this on purpose? It's the dude. It's the dude. From that movie I talked to you and he goes like, yeah. what? Uh, what? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, he looks a bit like, yeah, so the- barnacled, like, he, he looks a bit like one of the crewmates from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, from the pirate ship, you know? It's oh, like, the Flying Dutchman. Yes. Yeah, like, you know, with yeah, With barnacles yeah. growing on him or something like that. That's Yes, he's got different colored eyes. He's got, uh, I, it's like he's picked at the skin of his scalp and right, exposed and this cybernetic skull beneath. Bits of crystal poking out of it. It's, uh, yeah, he looks, he looks great. I mean... Well, he looks fantastic, but oh, yeah, not, it's a not fantastic yeah, creation. Not great, but fantastic. And this <laughs> arm spike that he's got, and apparently while they were doing the makeup, like Dave Elsie and, uh, and and Shane Bryant came up with all sorts of neat stuff to do with that spike that they showed to director Ian Watson, who said, "You can't do that on, on TV. Telly. <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing any of that." Ooh, yeah, that could have been uh, I'm gone so the wrong way. Yeah, well, don't want to think about that really. So um, his story is, uh, and Hannibal Lecter, as yeah. uh, as some of our uh, listeners observed in their excellent. He was uh, a criminally insane prisoner that was being, I think, brought back from the uncharted territories yeah. when Rovu the Leviathan was ambushed by Scarens. Oh, yes. We, yeah, it was Scarens who attacked them. But I thought it was kind of neat that we don't really learn anything about uh, Carvox's backstory. None at all. It's just like, yep, it's just this nutcase on this Leviathan, and after it got disabled... He basically took control of the place. Yeah. Like his, his his arm spike thing also controls the doors on the ship. So he's, somehow he's patched into the system because he yep. can open doors. He can depressurize rooms and do other things with that. Yes. He uh, he cut the pilot's connection to the control of the ship and seized yeah. it for himself. And yet, like this, there's tons and tons of former peacekeepers, it turns out, that he has enslaved and they... and. Yes, duplicated to suck their brains, and, and he is using his duplication trick to yeah kill them, suck their brains out, and then I guess like the others eat the remains yeah of the person who just got their uh, brains sucked out. I mean, okay, where's the energy coming from that he's? I do- knew that you would hook up to this because this isn't like if you just had a cow, right? Or mm. no, not even a cow, just like some aubergines. Mm. And you do this to aubergines, you've got infinite food, baby. Right, it's it's the matrix problem. It's like, like we're we're harvesting these people for the electrical current that they generate. Yes, but you're feeding nutrients into them, and it's like and the body heat. Like you could use those nutrients much more efficiently than like running them through humans first. Yeah, it's, I mean, have you tried cows? Oh, yeah. again, I don't want to necessarily do that, but you know, there's so many other ways to to gain energy. But, no, but yeah, like apparently this is it is easy. It's easy. It's complicated. Right. So in his in, in defense, I, I can say that like maybe he needs some sort of, you know, sentient being connection. That like there's some like some sort of psychovor type effect right. on what he's doing. You know, that would make sense. That's something because yeah, yeah. he can uh, he can tap into different species and nourish himself, or at least like give himself a nice little head buzz. Very, 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 very nice. <laughs> really. Very nice. 
but he does mention that after you've been twinned 30 or 40 times, you're not much good for a conversation. Right. So that leads me to another interesting point, because they very clearly say that uh, the copies are equal and original, because there's, yes. there's a little bit of identity crisis that uh, both Chiana and Dargo have, and like... We're probably especially gonna, Chiana, uh, yeah. And we're probably going to get to John's in the next episode. But especially Chiana has like, am I the original? It's like, am I the real one? And Carvok uh, is unambiguous. There is no such thing. You cloned me. Not the word clone, please. I doubled you. I twinned you. Two dargos. Equal and original. And tasty. Equal and original. So, and it's which why I think it was so brilliant identical. that they used the imagery of cellular mitosis. Right. Because that's it. You have one cell grows to the mass of two cells, splits off into two, mm-hmm. right? The mitochondria split, everything splits. There is no original cell and there is no copy. They were both the original. They just forked off. Mm. But that duplication process, each of those twins is a little bit degraded compared or it might to be. the... Well, I mean, this is the suggestion that he's made. You know, when you twin them 30 or 40 times, they're not right. much good for com- conversation. So there's clearly, like, some physical effect that you can't go through it too often. Yeah, so the, the, they're equal, but they're not quite original. Because, like, if there's some defect, then there's... Uh, yeah, oh, they're not original anymore. If you get an injury, you're still the original you. You're just injured compared to your right. past state. Right, the mitosis of thesis. Are we talking about that? Thesis. <laughs> <laughs> Or, hey, it may just be the trauma. Like, uh, uh, Carvok does talk to Dargo and says, you remember how painful it is. Oh, yes. I'll spare you that pain for a whole six months, a whole half cycle. Before I'm going to snack on you again, yes. Because, like, Dargo only saw himself briefly. So, like, the Dargo there is very much convinced that he's, like, I don't know what it was, but he made a copy of my body or something. Yeah. And Chiana gets to spend a little bit longer with herself, looking at, at herself and going, like, oh, hey, what's going on here? Until... Yeah. That other Chiana also gets uh, snuffed. You get two Chianas sitting there against the door, both, like, scared of each other. Yeah. And then Carvok grabs one. The uh, other moves toward Carvok and then sort of freezes bolts, in yeah. fear and runs away. While one of the, the, the other one is being killed and, like, asking for help. And, yeah, that is something. You really did watch our Chiana running away from herself and... Okay, Chiana. So I noticed that, especially in the beginning of the episode, like she starts off all high and mighty, well, not high and mighty, but she starts off all determined and competent when she's like dealing with Jewel. But the moment she is out on her own, she becomes very like frightening, whimpery. The first time she she sees one of the uh, the ghouls, I I forgot the name again. It uh, doesn't matter. uh, She immediately shoots. But then when she actually can see them, she kind of stands there waving her gun around. She whacks him with her torch. Which, like, why does she actually have a separate torch? Because there's like a big, big shining light on top of her gun. But she also has a torch in her hand, which makes it really hard to handle a two-handed weapon like the car- carbine that she's like... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, everybody makes a point of taking this two-handed weapon and using it one-handed for extra cool. John does it at yep. one point, and, like, the, just the yelling and yelling and yelling. It's... it's. But yeah, Chiana, I have no defense. But Chiana, like, she spends a lot of time, like, trying to threaten these people away before she actually starts shooting. And, like, I, I, of course, I understand it. They're doing this to, like, build up a little bit of tension. But it, it makes her seem a little bit less determined and... 
competent than she she's become. I am so glad, by the way, that we're picking this episode apart by threads because if we'd if we'd gone through step by step, I'd be shivering in terror by now. Like I'm just thinking about these scenes and these and these hungry, hungry hippies approaching and like she doesn't want to kill anyone. I guess like, not. They're, no, they're, it's like if you're approached by I guess coyotes. And like right. you aren't like as a as a rational person, I've never I've never encountered this situation. Of course, like the worst predator that we have in the Netherlands are pigeons. Well, gulls. Yeah, I mean they'll they'll guard your chips. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm very protective of those, as you know. <laughs> but you know that this is a conflict you don't want. You don't necessarily want to harm these animals. Like they're just doing their own thing. thing. Yeah, you'd ideally want to avoid this and 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 back away. So yeah, it, it's not just Chana. Like everybody's a little bit rubbish at fighting the uh, the ghouls at the beginning of the episode until uh, it's determined that uh, Carfox is really the, the the mastermind behind this. There sure are a lot of them. There are, yeah. But I mean, like he keeps making more, I suppose. Oh, you think some of them are? Oh, you oh, think of they're course. duplicates? Yeah. Well, if he duplicated one, why wouldn't he eat eat one? I mean, they. I mean, ooh. I mean, that's oh, you the- got a good point. Yeah. Like they're the, 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 he's going to only duplicate one unless he's going to eat them. So I mean, I like every so you're going to still have the original complement unless like a, a little bit yeah, of okay, regular yeah. die off uh, from time to time. But that's an awful lot of people to crew a ship with one prisoner. I mean, they're using it to transport one prisoner at this point. You know, it's, it's just going to be the regular complement of people that right. are, are are on the ship. Oh, and fair. It's like yeah, okay. Well, I mean, I can imagine just like the discussion about it, like. They're sending our full Leviathan just to get one prisoner? What kind of waste of resources is it? You can imagine, like, the discussion between peacekeeper officers about the, exactly that kind of thing. Oh, wait, I've got some headcanning incoming. I wonder if there's fan fiction of this. Because notice how they're all wearing jumpsuits. Uh, I, I didn't really pay much attention to their well, clothes. they're not wearing armor. They're not no, wearing true. black leather. Yeah. They've got jumpsuits on. These are techs. They're oh, not officers. There might just sense. be one officer, and the rest are all techs. Yeah. So you have dozens of techs on a prison ship with an uh, uh, with someone who's criminally and criminally insane scientist who is being transported on his own. What if it's a research ship? Yeah. They're trying to actually exploit his genius and and, but, and what makes you think he's a scientist? The fact, I mean, what makes you think that he isn't? He's got this technology. Ooh, right. Yeah, but we don't know how he got that. He might have just like. Huh. Yeah, it might just be some sort of control collar uh, interface that we've never seen before that he just took from whoever the... Uh... That, yeah, okay. I always figured, huh, yeah, no, there isn't any evidence, but I always figured that he invented this technology yeah. himself and built it okay. into himself, but, yeah, why? It means There's to me, no confirmation, yeah. No, to me, I, I would think that it's like some sort of uh, device that interfaces with the control collar. Although, of course, you've got the spiky thing, which is and clearly the, his, his, his thing because he does the, like, uh, the brain-sucky thing. And the twinning technology. Yeah. Where do you think that came from? Ooh, that looks more organic type something that is like probably an ability of... We, we don't know what species he is. Ooh, I like where you're going. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if there's fanfic of this. We're going to have to find out. Because it's never mentioned what kind of species uh, Carvok is. Right. It could be a Sebation, but, you know, it's just a Sebationoid. There's plenty of those around and plenty of those with, like, weird abilities. Yep, yep. A cyborg with his, uh, with yeah. his skull replaced. Ooh. So, yes, lots of speculative uh, material there. Okay, please don't think that this is a guarantee that we're going to do Eat Me fanfiction next week because it might just be too scary and then I won't. <laughs> We've got to sleep. Okay, who else do we uh, uh, do we have? Actually, we should probably dip back into Dargo 
Okay. Because after uh, Chiana sees herself being twinned and we figure out, ah, yeah, that's the technology. Okay, now we know that Dargo's safe because that ha- clearly happened to Dargo because that's the moment that you get the release from the question, like, did they actually just kill off Dargo? Yeah. And then the moment you see uh, Chiana being twinned, you go like, ah, okay, right. No, of course, there's, good, there's, there's good, another good. Dargo around. What a relief. And yes, he's chained up. Something that he does not, not enjoy. enjoy. No, no. They've got his uh, clavicle rings back in use again. Yes, which he never had removed, I no. guess, as a yeah. some kind of point of defiance. I guess so, yeah. He does look fantastic. He does. And we have Carvok bringing a, a woman to him, and because <laughs> apparently he wants to breed Dargo. Yeah. As long as you breed for me. Breed. <sighs> That's the price. Like, I'll spare you the pain of twinning for a whole half cycle if you make... Yeah. What are we here to do? Make babies, yeah. yes. Okay, so that actress, she looked like super familiar to me. Like the, huh. It might just be the white face. I think I know what she reminds me of. I think she reminds me of one of the leprechauns in The NeverEnding Story. But That sounds right. I mean, she's got a... She's got this sort of white-haired Helena Bonham Carter mania right, yes. about her with, her with her messed up teeth, but her otherwise fairly chipper demeanor. Yes. I mean, she's clearly not quite there, but... But she is super into it. Yeah, she goes like, okay, we're going to have some fun here. And apparently she's doing a good job because Dargo seems to be... Yeah, he's not, like, complaining too much. Oh, um, help me. Which, when uh, when Chiana finds him, she doesn't immediately rescue him. She no, she just kind of goes like, oh, leans up against the wall, takes a good look at it, and goes like, oh, hello. See, we see someone's having fun. Are you sure you're not interrupting something? Chiana, just hurry up. Okay. Because you know, I I, I could just leave you there if, if you want. It's it's no trouble. No, 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 hurry, 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 hurry. Oh. I, I mean, I don't want to interrupt anything. <laughs> she's just watched... She's just buried him. She's just cremated him, and yeah. now she sees him here. And she's immediately back to teasing him, and, uh, yeah, straight back into it. I wonder what's going on there, because I don't I don't know that she was having fun in that moment. Like, you see her in the cell, like, going to some uh, some, some locker where she finds the Qualta blade. Yes, uh, and, and the coils that they were looking for. Yeah. <laughs> coils... Miraculously, oh yes. There's also something she with... just likes, like, these coils are tiny little orange things that she just stuffs into her pockets and like, okay, we're done. Yeah, we're that's all we f- need. Yeah. Handy that, isn't it? Yeah, convenient. It's like, oh, loot drop. <laughs> there was also something with the, the gyro sensor that she finds two of. Oh, yes, she finds two, and that tells her that the other Chiana was her as well. Right, yeah, I was wondering about that, because it, like, it's it's some sort of bit of metal with a compass glued onto it by the prop department. But I wasn't, <laughs> yeah, quite, sh- yeah. But I wasn't quite sure what it was. But yeah, yeah, that convinces her that like they're both real or... Yeah. So, I kinda... let me see, Dargo must have been separated from his Qualter Blade before he was twinned, because apparently yeah. that thing can also duplicate clothing and yeah, anything in your pockets. yeah. Wonder if Winona got doubled. Maybe not chuck on oil, but uh, I mean, it's a great way to like infinitely replenish your your equipment. Although, I mean, there has to be some kind of degradation, or everyone would be doing it. Right. Well, that's what we see. The degradation is like, yeah, it's it's visible in sebacenoids, so might be in equipment as well. So that's like, yeah, interesting thing how that's going to (laughs) go. 
As you can see, once you've been twinned 30 or 40 times, you're not much good for conversation. She eventually does free Dargo. Yeah, she uh, shoots the chains, chains loose, and like she makes a move and has to shoot the uh, the woman. But like Dargo's like the chains, the chains. Yeah, he's very considerate. <laughs> he's very considerate of his mivongs and doesn't want them to be. <laughs> okay, they meet up with Crichton again. They get the the pod in order, and Crichton like. He blows up this ship of horrors. Yes. Uh, barely escaping. Well, no, it, it breaks apart because he's trying to uh, to starburst them. What's that I hear? Is that starburst? We can't starburst. We're in a control collar. Oh, yes, we can starburst. Just means this whole ship is toast. Pilot has been... Oh, let's talk about a little bit more about Pilot. Uh, Rovu's Pilot. Rovu's Pilot, yes. Yeah. Because, like, we don't see Moya's Pilot at all in this episode. No, you hear him over the comms. Yeah. Yep. After being, like, chewed upon, taken apart, he's had his connection severed to the Leviathan. My neuropod slashed. And John kind of works on restoring that and actually gets a little bit of control back that way to uh, fight the control that uh, Carvok has over Rovu. Rovu? Rovu is the Rovu, name of yes. the uh, Leviathan. And uh, I, I think I remember that Rovu's male. Unfortunately, not in time. Uh, poor This poor pilot is helpless as someone, we actually don't see who, enters the chamber no. and, and shoots him in the head. With some sort of spear type thing. Yeah, that's an interesting thing of, that doesn't get resolved. It sort of looked like Carvok's spike thing. Yeah, but it had more like... Had more heft to it. Yeah, much, very much so. God, that poor pilot. Yeah. The, just the... Just the cruelty and the tragedy. Like, he can't go anywhere. No. Utterly defenseless. And, uh, yes, then gets chewed upon and eaten by the uh, by the ghouls and everything. And so, yeah, poor bastard gets killed. And fortunately, John remembers enough of the uh, controls that he can actually initiate Starburst. Come on, damn it, John. Remember the sequence. You know the sequence. Remember the damn sequence. You know what you're doing here. Come on. Which he's been warned against because it would, yeah, uh, yeah. due to the control color, it would uh, kill the. Uh, Whoa, that's not the callback. He remembers that from through the looking glass. Yep. When yeah. They, when, they, when they have the uh, so like press the red thing, turn it like uh, second on the control, turn yep. it left three Rub quarters. Rub the top of your yep. head. <laughs> hop on one foot. Bark like a bark like a pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> Rotate blue crystal. Trim yellow disc. Extinguish orange light. Open copper rods. Black. Panda pressed halfway, dial tri-connector open, hot progression, purple, green, orange, gold, lights, green knob, maximum thrust. Meanwhile, on Moya, yeah. as we say, we have Erin and... Rigel, Rigel I think, yes. is the only one left yeah, over. Erin oh, and Rigel. Stark. Yes, who also does has one line in this entire episode or something like that. It's a meaningful one, though. Uh, yeah, so mid- in the middle of this episode that you think is going to be just around about uh, Crichton, Chiana, Dargo, and Jewel, then, boop, oh, suddenly there's Moya going into Starburst. Yes, uh, much to Rigel's chagrin that there was no warning about Starburst and he just lost his second l- lunch. <laughs> Starburst without any warning. Fight your sake! But we've left Crichton and the others stranded. Botched up all my second lunch. <coughs> it better be something good, pilot. Moya was responding to a distress call. Perhaps you can see for yourself. Uh. Turns out there was a distress signal that Moya's responding to, and it's Talon. Talon? Who is not in a good state, either. What happened to you? 
No, nor is Crace. Crace is found unconscious, which Rigel says, well... No, you are not taking him back to Moya. He is still alive, Rigel. We can fix that. We can remedy that. Yes, and immediately uh, pulls the uh, hand of friendship, or what? what's it called again? The Yeah, the neural transponder. Yes. After which, like, the ship starts to shut down, so Aaron seizes it and she puts it back. Takes it from Rigel and uh, puts it back in place, and which, like, seems to restore Talon's uh, state of mind. So Aaron has to deal with this, which is she needs to set up some kind of towing system so that Moya can tow Talon and return to her original position where yeah. they can meet up with uh, with the rest of the crew. Starburst is out of the question because they would have to leave behind Talon. Although they can pass through the same Starburst thing. Only mm. if Talon's awake. Uh, I suppose that makes sense. And yeah. also, he may just be too big. Like, it worked with a Prowler, but I don't know if... I mean, what do you mean too big? Like, Moya can get through a Starburst, so you'd think that, like another Leviathan could go, come through as well. I mean, it makes sense, considering the fact that they lose all navigational ability, that uh, multiple uh, yeah. Leviathans could, like, you know, share a starburst jump. That seems to, like... Oh, interesting. I mean, like, like wake surfing. It is a very close fit. Like, we True. do see that it, it... Like, I think Aaron's prowler was, like, right on the skin. Oh, what? right. It, it makes sense. Like, maybe they have to use their own starburst, but they can, like, yeah, what I said, wake surf into... Uh, so that they all end up in the same location. I like that. Sort of like the jump gates in Babylon 5. Right. Or, yeah, it's just the way dolphins, like, kind of, like, raid the wake of a boat and, uh, oh, and yes. move along with it. Yeah. Oh, now I'm imagining, yeah, leviathans at play with, like, d- super quantum electrodynamic, like, ha- nice. halo effects. Yeah. And, oh. It turns into a Titan AE again with the oh yes the, the wake, the wake uh, angels. angels yes very good. So returning to our cosmic castaways, Rigel has a has a contrary opinion. He thinks that they should get out of there, and it's I mean that's what Rigel usually thinks. Yeah, but in this case, honestly, as usual, he has like very has solid point. reasoning. Yeah, Talon is supposed to be a kick-ass gunship, and something kicked his ass. Yep. Talon's supposedly the meanest, deadliest, all-time yave of the Uvo fighter ship. But somebody, something, beat the yachts out of him. And when they come back to finish him off, we'll be here with him, unarmed. We're going to be next. Trailed. Yeah. yeah. We're sitting here, like, completely defenseless because Moya doesn't have weapons. And it's Stark who talks him out of it with... Some very creepy realpolitik. Stark tells Rigel... Talon will recover. Christ may not. Yeah. So now may not be type here the time to leave. Yes. And I don't know whether he's saying that because he means it or whether he's saying that because that would convince Rigel... I mean, that's what always the question with Stark. You know, sometimes he's mad, sometimes he's right. That's always... (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes both. Well, yes. Because, yeah, that does convince Rigel, like, yes, we would be better off with Talon and not Kreis, so let's let that play out, which gets him along with... Oh, <laughs> it's a shame that it's such a small part of this episode, because it, it would actually, like, that's a really good conflict yeah. resolution. Mm, hopefully they're saving that for next episode. And so that's what the, uh, that shot that you talked about, that's umbilicals. Right. It's just the umbilical, and it's, like, it's probably nutrients, because like, we know that they've We've been sharing, that yeah, that, that they share nutrients flowing back and forth depending on the needs of the other. So, yeah, okay, that makes it, that explains that. And now the mother is helping to heal the son, yeah. and woof, after this horrific episode, everyone's kind of recovering. Like, it's interesting that Stark is talking to Chiana and Dargo and asking them to describe it. Yes. Because... I guess he's trying trying to do a little bit of uh, soul searching to find out, yeah, <laughs> yeah, to find out what happened. Like, like this is kind of his thing. 
he's deeply curious about it. Yeah. And Dargo's open about it like it only lasted like a tenth of a micron and I just saw this other version of myself. It was over in a flash, no more than a tenth of a micron, but I saw it. I saw myself, another me. He's kind of intellectual about it. Like, what if I'm the copy? Mm. And it doesn't seem to worry him too much, but Chiana... Like yeah, she's, she's like super concerned whether or not she like she's the real thing. Whether she's guilty of murder, of abandoning like oh. a living like that's her thing. Yeah, she's she okay. feels guilt over abandoning her her other self. At least this is how it appeared to me. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, I fully understand it. She was terrified. She wanted yeah. to be safe. Clearly, either of them would have done the same in the face of that danger. Okay, that's interesting because like yeah, Chana is all about self preservation. That's basically her core character trait. I can look after myself. Yes, yes, I know. You can kick, kiss, and cry your way out of any situation. I just wish you'd stop getting into them. Right. So, but it's interesting to see how that would extend to her other self, who is also her. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so, like, yeah, it's like this other Chiana, who is also me. Like, maybe I, like, I do what I need to do to keep myself safe. But this is also myself. Yeah. And, and did I do everything I could to keep this other me also safe? Oh, that's fascinating. <laughs> because, yeah, she, she does have, like, a sense of family and community and protection yeah. that, that didn't used to include very many people. I think it included the woman on, uh, oh, the corpse of the Budong. Yeah. I'll turn her. Alive and kicking. Come on, girl. I'll give you a feed. Right, that she that she felt that for and, yeah her brother of course uh, right and it's and it started to include more people as she's matured and evolved as a person, but yeah if that duplicate was her that should be the first person that you care about yeah someone who also is you then I hadn't <laughs> thought of that oh it makes sense in her character yeah Gigi actually got a lot to do with this uh, <laughs> yeah. with this episode I can imagine she had so much fun doing that fun how am I to have fun and we close with John and John. Yep. Silently playing rock, paper, scissors. And like, how's it going? Still tied. Oh, yeah. Aaron <laughs> walks in on, on a writer who's watching it and says, how, how is he doing? Yes. How is he? Still tied. <laughs> and they're just sitting there going, and it's mechanical, and it's, it's every time the yep. same outcome. And you see one of them, like, just uh, sighing and rubbing it. his forehead. And the other one is as well. Like, they're both tired at the same time, and they both restart at the same time, and they're not talking. And Yeah. Whoa. That's interesting to see how, 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 yeah, that would happen to John and how, like, John deals with that. And like, But what are they playing for? I'm sorry, what? It's like, what, what would a win signify? Is that the real one? Like, have they, have they made, did, have they talked to each other? Have they agreed on something? The that's interesting. Like, they must not have talked even. I don't know. We, we don't know that. It's like, have they just like sat, sat there, looked at it and started going like rock, paper, scissors and like assuming that That's the other one has the same thoughts. It's like winner is the real one. Winner wins. And what's going to happen to the loser? What's? I think, I mean, John is still ostensibly sometimes kind of a scientist. Yeah. I'm a damn scientist. So the first thing to find out is, are we the same? Right. Yeah. Is there any, any measurable difference? And then move on from there. And then we can figure out, like, what's the ranking? Like, yeah. that's not really a John kind of thing. No. He's not deeply into hierarchies. He's, he's deeply into getting things done. So I think he mostly wants to find out whether they're the same or whether there's any difference. And they are, like, they're I mean, indistinguishable. Yeah. So I, it's, it's very interesting, like, revisiting of the same 
thought thing that happened in uh, My Three Crichtons. Yeah. But, but now they're like instead of having the advanced and the the held yeah. back, the, the yeah, the the, the so called primitive, but yes, emotionally far more mature. And, and the regular one, because like it was very clear who was the regular John. Yes. Uh, and now we have like two of him. Oh. Yeah, I bet there's a whole lot of fan fiction about that Which as well. Which we're not going to read maybe, because it's probably no. not in the NC-17 character. Well, it is in the NC-17 category. Yes, exactly. Oh, although, I mean, if there's anything that comes as close, do you remember like what's under John's leathers? I was just skating right on the edge. True, this true. Is about as close as we could get. Yeah. Well, all right. And now uh, now there would be another few months before the next episode of Farscape. Oh, yeah. So, uh, left nicely hanging. We're we're going to continue as we uh, as we have before. We're, g- we're going to do uh, fan fictions on the off week and we're going to have another greatest hiatus. Oh, so it's like there's going to be a long time for our listeners before they get to hear the next episode. And for you as well, obviously. Yes. Like you have to sit through this, but I have something to help you while away the time. All right, go on. Between the airing of this episode and the airing of the next episode, 307, uh, that happened several months later, something glorious emerged, and it is the publication of the Farscape official magazine. Holy shit. Which, thanks to our loyal listener, (laughs) Matatron, who has sent us a a few synopses, Matatron has sent us the official, out-of-print, very hard-to-get... Holy uh, shit, this is amazing. Farscape magazine. Yeah, this came out... It's the it's the July-August edition, so it came out a bit after, like, the, the, the next part of Season 3 started airing. But they kept it very clean. I had a quick browse through it just right. to make sure that it's, it's I safe. I was going to say, can I, can I open it and you have a look? Can. Oh, wow. This is for you. I haven't read the whole thing. Oh, I, oh wow, there's, like, a center fold-out. Uh, yes, there's a huge <laughs> poster, which I think makes it actually quite valuable on eBay, but that's not how we're oh, going to no, 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 no. approach actually, these I things. Can't actually fold that out. Damn. There's, a, there's an interview with David Kemper about Zan. There's an interview with like the puppeteer of Rigel. There's all these cool like pre-production uh, oh, uh, pictures. Beautiful shots, like Seven of Nine. Uh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> there's just like an ad here for some Star Trek thing in his magazine as well. So A cross-promotion, right? No, totally. Oh, wow, this is beautiful. So this Absolutely was amazing. us in 2001, and it sort of also introduces, I think there is some mention of stuff that starts happening in season three, which, while I've kept you very pure, is kind of part of the experience. This is also when we started, like, getting magazines and, right. like, reading. So, uh, did you actually see this magazine back in the day when it first was pr- uh, produced? I mean, not at the time that it was airing. I think I did eventually see some on a magazine stand at a convention. I'm... I wasn't into magazines, so I didn't grab no. one. I've actually never held one before, and it's it's so fantastic. It's such a it's such a treasure. It's gorgeous. So it says July August two thousand one is when this was released. Yes, and, uh, it's, and it's, it's got the uh, like broadcasting schedule on Sci Fi UK on it. Like when are they? Like <laughs> yeah. Sunday May and everything like that. Yep. Beware of dogs seems to be what the princess. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about, but like. Oh, I think that's like a, a retrospective episode guide because... Oh, that could be. That's season two, man. Yeah, Look, because you've got like, Maldis and... But it's talking about May 2001 and July 2001. So I guess like if this is sold in July, August, then it's like, yeah, you could have been watching this. That's not a very useful TV guide, is it? It's like, yeah, over the last two months, <laughs> that's like you could have been watching this. You haven't, but... <laughs> 
Oh, what a what a time to be alive! Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was when you know sci-fi shows that did well they they got their own magazine and it's so glossy and there's all these all these pictures and crazy yeah, designs. Lots of lots of photos of little uh, miniatures of the various characters and races and it looks absolutely brilliant. Gosh, I wonder if we know anyone who's been involved in the production of this because oh. I mean we we know the fellows over at uh, the Companion app who, who, who've done some excellent like '90s sci-fi like mm. deep dives. Maybe they know someone. So there's an interesting bit here which which drew my eye and it says like the interviewer asked I think you're talking to uh, Ben Browder Mm -hmm. it's like there's also been talk of a spin-off series what are your thoughts on that (laughs) to which he replies Anthony Simcoe uh, and I always talk about the spin-off which is pilot behind a bar Rigel sitting at the end of the bar and Aaron as a barkeep it's kind of cheers in space (laughs) yes yes oh god please let there be fanfic of that that sounds fantastic and actually Can you just imagine her with like a, a napkin that she's usually like wiping the bar down with uh, Rigel's just sitting there like having another beer like Rigel would be norm <laughs> <laughs> why not pilot behind the bar he's got the he's got the well, 26 you'd be, arms though you'd be the barkeep yeah of course yeah Although Aaron, I mean, she's the grizzled veteran. She'd be the waitress. She'd be the waitress. Well, oh yeah, that could be too. I mean, yeah. like pilot would be the barkeep, and like Aaron might be the the proprietress. Oh, how you doing, hon? Can I get yeah. you started with <laughs> exactly. some coffee? Exactly. <laughs> Great flawless American accent that Claudia Black totally sells. No, I'm a guy. A guy. Guys dream about this sort of thing. But this is gorgeous. It's like. Oh, this is going to be fun to have a, b- a browse through. So that should hopefully tide you over um, while we uh, uh, do some fan fiction and yeah. then a greatest hiatus. And then we'll be back in one, two, three, oh, four weeks with 307. But before we go that far, we still have our Willies and Woodies. Oh, yes. She gives me a Woody. She gives you the Willies. Now, Ooh. we've had episodes where there are no willies and it's all woodies. I think we're gonna this be, is going to be a lot of willies. A yeah. willy-heavy oh, episode. Yeah, I mean, the way Moya looks on the inside. Oh, sorry, not Moya. Uh, Rovu. Rovu. Rovu looks on the inside like, yeah, diseased, eaten. It's just like, oh, it's like, yeah. yeah. Although, now that Tim Ferrier called it licorice, I kind of imagine that she's become this sort of delicious gingerbread spaceship. <laughs> Oh, wow. (laughs) These extremely sweet pastes and they discover, oh, whoa, they're delicious. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh, I'm delicious. And it's like, well, yeah, also the the poor pilot who is uh, like, yeah, getting like torn limb from limb literally and then like, like, kept as feedstock which is just like oh my god that's supposed to be a horrible existence the poor creature but yeah I mean Woody wise okay I think I'm actually going to have to give that to the stunt they pulled with like did they actually kill Dargo or not I thought that was I think that was done so well even coming back to it I sort of felt that like I was so entranced by the the tension did they would they no they can't have Oh, but did they? Are, yeah, exactly. And then, oh, and then there's that editing. sweet release when the moment you see that, like the whole. Oh yeah, sweet marsh- release. Oh well. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say. Belina was certainly seeing to that. The marshmallow fluff and uh, cloning <laughs> device, a uh, twinning device. I shouldn't call it cloning because, like, that's so gosh. Yes. No. Very good. Yeah. yeah. No. I'm. I'm with you. It's this poor pilot. No. Again, I can't pick a Willy without it becoming a Woody because, like, clearly okay. they were having fun with it. Right. Uh, another one, like John doing a Han Solo running screen. Screaming at the... Oh, God, uh, <laughs> yeah. And one-handed rifling. Yes. Yeah. Also Han Soloing that very much. Okay, yeah, actually... Oh, I was going to say that I'm going to I'm going to repeat a willy, which is like John's big dog voice, where he sort of pinches his lips like yeah. his trumpet, and he talks through a lip trumpet, like he's really big. But 
I'm going to come back from that because he he went like super southern in this one, and and that was sort of his his trauma response. I don't think I can find a willy here. Mm. Well, like, oh, other than I the mean, fact, it, like how horrible things and like squeamish things look, you know, right? Which pus was dripping off the walls and John tasting it and fantastic. Like, yeah. all of it was awesome. One more thing that I really enjoyed was the, the way Erin's eyes lit up when she saw Talon again. Talon. Despite the fact that he was in a bit of a state, yes. like the fact just just seeing him, like you could clearly see that like that gave her some joy and like yeah, oh, it's nice, yeah. That was she immediately becomes professional, yep. clear. She knows exactly what she's 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 like a lioness who sees her her family. Yeah, she is so centered when she's uh, uh, when it comes to Talon, in a way that she can't be with with anyone else. Like there are no emotions in her mind other than this is someone, this is my family, and I care about him. I guess yeah, that still comes from the biological connection with that she had with Pilot, and therefore Moya and oh, that's Talon. That's a good point. She I mean, does that's... have that with Pilot as well. Yeah. She's she's unambiguous in a way that she isn't with other characters. Yeah, and that's the story so far, Skate. (laughs) So I did a little bit of browsing through the Farscape role-playing book. Oh, uh, yes. Especially considering this is such a Leviathan-heavy episode. Yeah, three of of them. We've never had three Leviathans. Well, Well, two and a half. Yeah, other than the... uh, (laughs) Two and a half Leviathans. Talk about a (laughs) spin-off. Wow. Oh, well, there was a little bit more mentioning about how the bonding goes with the, uh, like how the pilots are like such a vastly uh, uh, advanced race, but they ca- apparently they can't leave their planet. And it's not because they're not motile, but apparently they die some when they leave the atmosphere. Like there's, apparently there's something that uh, they need to survive, which can be provided by a Leviathan, but otherwise is not. Uh, so that explains why it's their only way to explore the right. stars and to see the universe. It's something that otherwise can't be synthesized. Something like that, yeah. Uh, that Fascinating. It's, it's, not, it, it's kind of glossed over on how, but it's, it, it explains on, well, it, it gives a reason for why, uh, how, the, how this is supposed right. to work. So that's like, I thought that was a very nice, interesting touch. I mean, like, their, their connection is, has always been fascinating. Like, were they yeah. designed in, in, were they co-designed with Leviathans or like... My my head canon is that they're uh, that they're like a parasitic species on their planet that they bond with other megafauna hmm. as part of their normal life cycle. Oh yeah, that makes sense. I'll read I'll, I'll read a paragraph. It says, "Oh yeah, for pilots, leviathans came as an incalculable blessing. Though socially philosophical and technologically advanced, pilots could not accomplish the one goal they strongly desired to explore space. Their anatomy and physiology did not facilitate survival of their native planet. They would sicken and die within several days of leaving the atmosphere." Whoa. Leviathans, however, could support the pilots away from their home world, allowing the gentle creatures to journey to the stars. A bonded Leviathan could also interact with a wider variety of races through the pilots creating an intelligent symbiosis between the two species. The match was nearly perfect, and today the majority of Leviathans carry pilots within them. Oh, okay, I love that part. So the Leviathans were, were capable of bonding with, with other species as our pilots, it seems and the pilot species is just the best at it because at, yeah because they're like super advanced in like their communications or they have the mental capability yeah, they really have to talk, use, yeah they really have basically have to use baby talk towards uh, other species oh like robot pilots yeah we can see in this uh, episode as well like John several times has to, like show, slow down talk to me slowly Tell slow, slow slow remember simple sentences like, hey Chiana understood him when John didn't. Oh. Remember, there was one word that he kept repeating, and that uh, I don't understand what it means. Ship for, for the Krishul. What the hell is that? They're criminally insane. 
The criminally insane. Oh, okay, yes. I didn't know that. And there was also something in there that apparently uh, tr- translator microbes have issues with pilot uh, talk as well because it's just too complicated. Right. He's speaking in his species' ancient language. One sentence can carry over a hundred different facts, concepts, emotions, far too complex for our translated microbes to interpret. Once he's calmed down, once he's comfortable here, then he'll start to simplify his sentences for us. But that suggests that maybe, like, the, the translated microbes in a Nambari brain yeah. are capable of inferring a bit more than a human brain I can? guess it makes sense, yeah. yeah. Like maybe the brain is just a little bit more suited to uh, accepting that kind of input. Thank you for sharing that. That was really cool. And thank you to our, our, our supporters over on Patreon who provided this fantastic resource. Who make it possible for us to uh, look at these things in the magazine. Uh, that wasn't a patron. That was another supporter. That was Matatron. Oh. Once again, thank you so much. We're so immensely grateful to have been embraced by this wonderful fandom. And we, uh, we hope you'll join us on our next adventure. So, once again, fanfic, greatest hiatus, another fanfic, and then four weeks from now, we'll be diving into episode 307. You can find us at Soulfarscape on Facebook, on Twitter. Do you want to do the other ones? Do you know the links? Oh. Um, do you remember the links? No, I mean, I'm going to flounder at this more than you do. Oh, uh, okay. Soulfarscape.com on Twitter, soulfarscape.com. So Farscape.com on Twitter. That's right. That's how Twitter works. <laughs> okay. What do you think? Uh, uh, quiz. Quiz. Here we go again. So Farscape.com slash support. What does that do? That allows you, our listeners, to support us on Patreon. There we go. And uh, thank you to our existing Patreon uh, supporters. Uh, so Farscape.com slash submit. Is where you can like submit a suggestion for a synopsis for an upcoming episode. Yeah. So please do that. We really enjoy reading those out. Gosh, yeah. So many songs this time. I wonder, and, and limericks, which I'm really starting to enjoy. Oh, and then there's also soulfarscape.com slash fanfic. Which you can suggest a fanfic for us to read on the off weeks where there isn't a uh, regular Soulfarscape episode. Yep, we particularly enjoy comedies, but we're interested in everything. About 5,000 words is the is, is the cap. Please send Sweet us your spot. favorites and make sure that they're safe for K. Yes, and so basically nothing past the publication date of the last episode that we've done. Excellent job! See, I mean, you say that you flounder. We always flounder. That's kind of my style. <laughs> All right. Thank you. And this was... I feel like we're doing one of those fanfics. Should we just yeah. wave away? No, no, no. No, no. no. You're, you say, like... I'm cocky. I'm K. So, so far, far skate, so, so good. good. We did it! Yay!